picture this. It's Christmas time at Camelot, and King Arthur and Queen Guinevere are hosting a magnificent feast for the Knights of the Round Table. There's an abundance of food, and even more to drink. The revelry is at an all-time high, and everyone is so, so delighted that Arthur is their king. On Arthur's side sits his nephew, Sir Gawain, a young knight who is not quite tested and doesn't really have a real claim as a knight of the round table. He wants to prove himself. When Arthur asks for him to tell him a story, he says he has none yet to tell. He needs one. But for now, he's content with sitting at his king's side and enjoying a holiday meal. Suddenly, the doors swing open and a man rides in on his horse. This man is most curious. For his armor, his weapon, his skin, his hair, and even his horse, they're all a verdant shade of green. The sight of him is off-putting, and many knights grab their swords as he is monstrously big, bigger than any single man in this room. But Arthur holds them back and lets the stranger speak. He is for now known as the Green Knight, due to his appearance and his battle-worthy looks. He offers a simple challenge to the court, a Christmas game as he calls it. If any man is able to land a blow on him, he can have the Green Knight's axe. It is a fine weapon and would make an even finer addition to any knight's mantelpiece. However, there is one condition. That man must then seek out the knight in one year in his residence, the Green Chapel, and allow the Green Knight to strike him in the same place where he strikes the knight today with the exact same amount of force and with any weapon of his choosing. The room is tense. It's a really nice axe. But Arthur is ready to take this hit. He doesn't want to put anyone in danger in case this is some sort of trick. But before he can land the blow, young Gowan knows that this is his story to tell. He leaps up and demands that he does it himself. Arthur acquiesces, and Gowan begins to approach the knight. But the green knight just kneels, bares his neck, and says, strike me. Perhaps being cheeky, or maybe just unsure of what else to do, he lops the knight's head off with a clean swipe blood spurting from his neck as the body collapses. The room cheers. This is his moment. Young Gowan has finally done something of great note. But the laughter does not last long, for the knight picks up his own head and holds it in front of Gowan and says just two words. One year. Then he climbs on his horse, head still in hand, and rides off. In one year's time, Gowan too rides off in search of the Green Knight. This is the inciting event that sets him on his quest that is retold in the 14th century poem Sir Gowan and the Green Knight, which is then adapted to today's subject, the film The Green Knight, directed by David Lowry. I'm Ayush. Welcome to Filmtasia. This is episode two, The Green Knight. if that was a little bit dramatic i wanted it to be that way <laughs> so uh to lighten the mood a little bit let me just tell you about this movie uh off the bat sort of spoiler free review if you will i loved it it was fantastic i went to go see it as the first film uh after the you know year-long covid hiatus in theaters and i had planned to do this because i'd seen the trailer back in 2019 or 20 something and i loved it it's a wonderful trailer you should go see it and yeah, I was so, so ready. 
but then COVID happened, as you all know, and I decided that when I came back, I wanted to see this movie specifically first because I expected it to be great. And, you know, as you can tell already, it's fantastic. It's a weird one. I think, you know, I've watched it with some other people who loved it. I've heard some other people who didn't quite like it or get it, and I, I understand that. It's a It's a pretty confusing movie in a lot of ways, even if you do know the source material ahead of time. It's not a necessity by any means, but it does help a little bit. Regardless, it's artsy. And that's kind of the work of David Lowry. I mean, he's done a couple of movies beforehand. He did Pete's Dragon, which is a family-friendly sort of uh, fantasy film. I think that's very accessible, and it's it's quite good as well. It's a remake of a terrible, terrible movie from the 70s or 80s or something. And he also did... Uh, the Old Man and the Gun, which is sort of different from his other works. It's, it's, I think it's based on a true story. It's about a senior citizen who robs banks, and he's a very charming guy. Uh, but the movie that he did that's the most similar to this, and probably his most acclaimed work prior to this, is A Ghost Story, which is a experience of a man after he dies as a white-sheeted ghost. He's literally a stereotypical white-sheeted ghost with, you know, the eye holes and everything. He doesn't speak for the entire film after he dies, and he just watches what happens in his house. Yeah, that's kind of artsy. And it's also very slow and just atmospheric. That's what The Green Knight really is. It has elements of those other movies. It has some of that whimsy from Old Man and the Gun, and it has that sort of low fantasy effect that you get from Pete's Dragon. But it's mostly like a ghost story, just giving you some atmosphere and letting you steep in it. I know Wikipedia describes it as an epic fantasy film, and in a lot of ways it does have some epic qualities to it, but I always think of epics like Spartacus or Troy or Kingdom of Heaven or Lord of the Rings if you want a fantasy epic. This isn't really that. It's a character study, which, you know, overused term, but it really is that. It's about Gawain and his sort of experience as a knight and... I really like that about this movie. So, I mean, Dev Patel stars as the title character, Gowan, and he does a fantastic job. I mean, he's alone on screen for most of the film, and that's a big carry job that he has to do, and he, he does it. He gives such a nice vulnerability to Gowan, which isn't in the original poem, and he makes him seem like a really relatable kind of guy. Like, he's, you know, out on this epic quest, but he's not the most competent, nor is he the most experienced. It's not really his own fault, but he's like anyone else. He's just struggling, and the only thing getting him through is his own determination and his own good-heartedness, which is a, a key point of him and sort of the knights of the round table as, as a whole. He's, like I said, fantastic. His supporting cast is pretty great. Alicia Vikander plays a very interesting role that I'll have to go into in the spoilers because there's not much to say. You know, everyone, the king and the queen, they do a great job. Sean Harris and, oh, I forget uh, the queen's actress. I forget a lot of the other actors, uh, including the lord. Uh, and name. I know the Green Knight is acted by Ralph Innocent, who does very good job that green knight is very intimidating and very well designed yeah acting job fantastic the writing like i said it's based off of a poem but when we do a bit more of a spoiler talk in a few minutes you'll see that they had to add a lot this is the rare instance where the source material is really short like it's it's quite small and they had to add a lot of stuff in the middle and make it still relevant to the overall story i think they do a good job of that mostly this movie's a bit too long, just a hair too long, maybe 10 minutes. I did think it plotted a bit in the middle. It definitely picked up by the end. Like I said, I still love it, but it holds a little bit of weight against it for a bit, as well as one other thing that I wouldn't be too nitpicky about, but it was my first time back in theaters, so this did dampen the mood a bit. It's really dark. It, it just goes away about halfway through the movie because you don't have that many scenes in darkness, but man, I couldn't see a lot of stuff for a part of it. So I don't know if it was the theater. I suspect it was just kind of the movie because I think I've read online that other people had the same problem. So those are my only two gripes with it. But from every other perspective, I mean, it's gorgeous. It's a wonderful looking movie. The sort of set pieces they create, you know, you know there's CGI involved, obviously, but you don't, you can't tell. And the practical effects, I, I'm sure there had to be some for the Green Giant. He's awesome. It sounds great. The soundtrack, I think, is available maybe somewhere. Just the sound design in general, so, so good of these sort of magical environments. I think it's the number one thing that really puts you into the world. 
other than that yeah like i would really recommend it if you're looking for something different and if you you know like indie artsy movies i think this is on that list we don't get a lot of good fantasy because it's mostly all trash in my opinion that we get in terms of movies they try to appeal to too many markets and stuff so i I like this for being a bit more focused and just trying to tell its story and being kind of standalone like i said it is based on a poem but you don't need to know anything really about king arthurian legends it would help your understanding of it afterwards if you want to look into it or listen to my podcast because i'll be talking about that but i really like that it wants to stand on its own ground and just tell you this tale it's it's really awesome so i don't have much more to say about it without getting into the spoilers of it so this is it this is the point of no return i will be spoiling the crap out of this movie i'll be spoiling the crap out of the original story that it's based on just an fyi if you want to go read the poem uh i listened i read i read two versions of it and i listened to an audiobook version of it uh that was maybe like two and a half hours long i think uh and you know if you want to go watch the movie i strongly encourage it but you know if you don't care and you just want to you know listen in and then maybe decide to watch the movie after this that's perfectly fine too it's not really a review i'm just going to go through it sort of plot point by plot point i will try to compare it along with the original work so the green knight begins with an introduction to gawain himself he wakes up in a brothel he's hungover, and he's with sort of his girlfriend i suppose and he has to rush out because he has to go home to his mom he doesn't want her to find out that he's been up to this kind of stuff so already we get this portrait of him he's kind of a party boy he goes home his mom's like what have you been up to he's like i've been at mass she's like she doesn't really believe him but she's like okay fine like you have a big day tomorrow so just rest up and then oh i think tonight actually and so he rests and he has to go to the christmas feast that's the thing i talked about at the introduction so a lot of that happens you know arthur says hey how's it going you know can you tell me a story and he's like i don't have any stories to tell and he's like okay cool like one day you will and you kind of can see that that sticks with gowan for a bit also that introduction i said just fyi aside is a mix of both the poem version and the movie version doesn't happen that way in either of them i just kind of put them together for dramatic effect i'll talk about the differences in a bit so yeah he does that the knight comes in he challenges the court gowan steps up uh and he says okay i'll do it you know the little tussle it's not a tussle they don't fight but gowan tries to strike him a few times and he kind of dodges out of the way and then he just goes on his knees and bares his neck chops off his head knight comes up he says one year we leave in between the scene we see his mother gowan's mother sort of do some magic with some other witches it's very you know spiritual and kind of weird looking she creates this letter and out of magic basically and she sends it upwards and then you see the exact same letter being given to the queen from the green knight which she reads out and that's how they find out about the game she reads the letter in the green knight's voice kind of like a possession and she lays out the rules of the christmas game and then yeah so Right now, all you really need to focus on is that mother. Remember that. She's involved in this somehow. Cool. We get a year passing. Everyone, you know, celebrates that he gets the axe, but then you can kind of see that he's kind of unsure what's going on. We get a year passing. We get these kind of, like, interludes between Gowan, what he's up to. You know, he's getting drunk. He gets into a fight because someone calls his mother a witch. Important. Uh, You know, he's talking with his girlfriend. uh, And in between, we get these little sequences where someone's doing like a little public show, like a puppet show to a crowd of kids or like random adults. Just town square entertainment. They didn't have much back in those days. And they're sort of doing it. I think, you know, if you've watched The Hunchback of Notre Dame, it's kind of, they have a sort of similar thing that happens at one point. Anyway, um... It's like just a really simple puppet show where there's a Gowan puppet and a Green Knight puppet. Gowan puppet comes up, chops off his head. We see that three times in different seasons. They're still telling that story. But the fourth time we see it, the knight chops off Gowan's head. So I think everyone really knows what's going to happen. They're like, oh, wait, he might actually die. He sets out on his quest. His mother gives him a green belt, says it's going to protect him from any harm. He's like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. And he leaves. Uh, now's a good time to mention that there's been these really cool title cards that have been going on so when he leaves we get the proper title card i think the green knight but before that like way before that like before the court scene we got a title card that said sir gowan and the and then it begins to flash in a bunch of different fonts the same text but in a bunch of different handwritings a bunch of different like colors and stuff I really like that and we're going to talk about that at the end when I sort of talk uh, about the meta sense of this film but again remember that it's pretty cool 
So he sets off, and then we kind of see him travel for a bit, and then we finally see him arrive at a battlefield, and then the t title card tells us, A Kindness, just dot dot dot, A Kindness. That's the name of this section of the film. It's a battlefield, lots of dead soldiers. This kid is, like, picking amongst them. He's scavenging, he runs into the kid, and the kid's, like, kind of a weird lad. He's like, my brothers came out here to fight. I think they're among the corpses. And then he's just kind of sad, kind of not sad, weird figure. Gowan's like, hey, do you know where the Green Chapel is? And the kid's like, sure, I can point you in that direction. And so Gowan sets off, and he's like, hey, like, am I not going to get something for that information? Gowan's like, oh, yeah, sure, yeah, sure. And the kid specifically says, please give, like, a kindness to me. And so, you know, he tosses him a coin, so that's where the title comes from. He goes in that direction. Turns out it's an ambush. The kid and two of his associates, these two, like, lady bandits, come in, knock gowan off his horse take his axe tie him up and leave him at the base of a tree and they say yeah good luck sucker and they run off with all the stuff so now he's screwed he has no rations he has no equipment of any kind he's tied up at the base of a tree and you know what's gonna happen and we do see something very cool we get an incredibly awesome shot where the camera's on gowan and then it pans 360 degrees very slowly to the right and as it's going, you see the trees, you see the rest of the forest, how empty it is, how eerie it is. And when it completes this 360-degree turn, we see a skeleton. In Gowan's clothes, everything, we just see him, uh, like, dead. And we're like, whoa, what happened? And then it does the pan in reverse, goes all the way back. And then we see him alive again and struggling. And, you know, if you don't get what this means, is it's really him seeing a vision of his future self, being like, oh no, like, that's what's going to happen to me. Really, really cool camera shot. Very cool way to sort of show his kind of internal thoughts in a somewhat abstract way he escapes little thing to note here i really like is that he manages he cuts his hand uh, he cuts the ropes with a sword he also manages to slice his hand so it's bleeding all over the place it's kind of realistic i like it <laughs> uh he sets off you know he doesn't have any food he's like starving he finds this like old house in the woods and we get the second chapter i think it's called something something saint winifred gowan meets saint winifred he enters the house it's completely empty calls out a bunch of times he goes into the bed, he sleeps, he wakes up, a woman's there. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry, miss. Like, I didn't mean to do this. I had nowhere to stay. And she's like, what are you doing here? She doesn't, dis she distrusts him. He's like, please, please, I just need a place to stay. Uh, just need some, you know, help getting around. And she's like, sure, I can give you some help if you do one thing for me. And he's like, what's that? She's like, can you please get my head? He's like, your head? That's on your head. And she's like, no, it's not on my head. It's in the lake. And he's like, what? So he follows her down and he says, she tells him a story of how she used to live here with her father. Her father passed away at some point. They were both very religious. And a lord came by one day and tried to force himself onto St. Winifred. But she fought back, kicked him out. He came back a few days later and chopped off her head and threw it in the lake. And Gowan's like, whoa, that's really intense. <laughs> Are you a ghost? She's like, I don't really know. And he's like, okay, fine. I'm going to go get this head of yours. What will you give me in return? And she kind of insultedly goes... Why would you ask me that? Why would you say that? And she kind of just disappears. He's like, okay, fine. I'm going to do it anyway. He goes down. He finds the skull at the bottom of the lake. We got some really cool visual effects. The lake turns red for a bit. You think he's going to drown maybe for a second. Gets the head, comes up. She's no longer there. He goes upstairs. He's like, where is she? Where is she? He looks down in his hands. He's holding her head instead of the skeleton. He drops it. He's scared. It's a really cool moment, I think. Picks it up against the skull again. He sees the skeleton on the bed. He puts the head there and then goes to sleep because you know what else is he supposed to do he wakes up and fun fact his axe is there again uh so that's pretty cool <laughs> uh he manages to find his axe i uh, you know it's just there so he did kind of do him a favor he picks up the green axe he has lost everything else though i, I don't think he has that much food and i don't think he, he does not have the green belt anymore that's gone that was stolen by the kid he very pointedly said oh look at this fancy green belt he took it it's gone cool so now we get to see him, you know, going across the lands, having to get his own food. He's in a cave at one point, trying to just, like, make himself warm. And a fox comes in and tries to, like, say hello and stuff to him. He's like, get out of here. There's a rock at it, but it's still there. And he's like, fine, you can come along. And so the fox is his companion for the next little bit. That's kind of fun. I like that. <laughs> uh, they There's one point where they're, like, eating some mushrooms and turns out, that's not good he throws up he has hallucinations crazy hallucinations he sees the green knight he sees king arthur he sees like his mom and he sees all these people like telling him some stuff he's like what's going on 
Uh, oh, important thing. The lady in the lake, uh, St. Winifred says, she says to him, the Green Knight is someone you know at some point. I can't remember the exact context of that, but remember that. Very important thing. It goes on. He struggles a bit. Uh, he loses the fox at some point. I can't remember what happened to the fox, but the fox just disappears one day. And he comes across this castle. And I can't remember the name of this chapter, but this castle has a lord in it. And the lord's like, wow, a knight. Because you kind of immediately recognize this because Gawain's like, I'm a knight of King Arthur. I need to do this. And he's like, great. Like, you can stay here for a bit. And he's like, no, I can't. Like, there's not that many days left until Christmas. You know, you have to do that one full calendar year. I got to get to the chapel. He's like, don't worry about it. It's actually really close by. You can spend some time here in the castle. And he's like, oh, this is great. This is a blessing in disguise. So he sleeps in the castle. There's only three people of note in the castle. I think there's some servants, but I don't think you ever see them. There's the Lord, his wife, the lady, and then the old woman. So this old woman is a blindfolded woman who does not ever speak. She's present when they have dinner. No one ever references her, but she's there. Important thing to note. So uh, one day, you know, he goes around, he talks a little bit with the, I think it's the first day, he goes around, talks with the lady a lot. She shows him some books and then she decides, she asks, can I make a painting of you? And he's like, okay, sure, why not? And so she does that. But it's, it's weird the way that she does it. It's not like a proper process that we see anything. But anyway, they go home. They have a nice drunken conversation with the Lord at night. They talk about like God and stuff. Gowan's like, uh, I don't really believe in God, uh, which is kind of blasphemous. But, you know, Gowan's kind of cool like that. Uh, they talk about some philosophy. The lady says some like ominous stuff. Uh, and leaves and the next day as he's heading out the lord is like hey i'm gonna get you i'm gonna go hunting today and i'm gonna get you the finest meat ever like i just so happy that you're here like it's such an honor to have a knight in my castle which it would be i think in those times like this is just like a famous knight or like part of a famous knight he's like oh great you know you don't have to like do that like but thank you so much and he's like great but i asked for one thing in return and gallon's like sure anything like anything if i can do it i will like you've already given me so much and he's like I'm going to give you all like a gift today and you must give me everything you received from my castle to me in return. Um, and Gowan's like, I don't know what I'd receive that you don't already have. Like, you know, you can you know sleep in the beds and eat the food or whatever. He's like, don't worry. The castle has many secrets. You'll find out. And he's like, okay, sure. So he goes around. I, I don't remember what else he does that day. He does go to bed at some point and he wakes up and uh, the lady is there and he's naked in bed and he's like oh my god like don't look at me <laughs> this isn't okay and she's like don't worry about it let's have a conversation they talk a little bit about stuff she says she's really happy that he's here and you know she wants kind of like a kiss from him she's kind of like coming on to him a little bit and she's like i want to give you a gift he's like i can't accept a gift and she's like reveals that she has this green belt the exact same green belt that his mother gave him and he lost and she's like i want to give this to you for a gift and he's like whoa like whoa like he's stunned he has no idea but she says you know it would protect you from any harm and then he thinks back he's like yeah like this could get me to not have my head chopped off by the green knight that sounds like a great deal she's like do you want it and he's like i want it and you know fair warning here guys it gets a bit sexual she um pleasures him with his hand <laughs> there's no better way to say it like he keeps saying he wants it and you think he's talking about the belt but then you know she's like really close to him and they're like you know really close they've kissed and like you know what's going on and so she you know she um she does the deed he finishes in the uh in the belt and we get a great money shot of it <laughs> so <laughs> we get to see the, the semen which is very odd for a movie to do but interesting interesting it joins the ranks of like the lighthouse and silence of the lambs as visible semen on screen anyway um and she gives him his belt and he's like oh my god what have i done this is awful but like he has the belt now he's like okay 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 and then the old lady is standing in the room and he's like oh, like whoa 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 and he just kind of picks up his clothes and leaves she's been standing there the whole time and you know she's blind she can't see anything but surely she would have heard something very odd odd that old lady and he decides he has to leave he can't be here anymore he's done something weird he, like he thinks he's like you know sinned on the lord or whatever he leaves, he's running out, and then he runs into the Lord on the way out, and he's like, oh, look at this great stag I got you. Like, this is yours, you know, like, I see you're setting off for the Green Chapel. It's just down that way. Take some of this meat and go out. And he's like, thank you so much for everything. Like, I just can't stay any longer. And he's like, I have another thing for you. And then he takes a burlap sack, and he unveils the wolf alive. I was sorry, not the wolf, the fox that was with him earlier, alive. And the fox is happy to see him. He's like, wow, like, that's crazy. My companion's back. That's neat. And, um... 
yeah and he's like so do you have anything for me and he's like uh uh i don't i don't really know and then the lord kisses him which really weirds out gowan and he's like uh because the lord had no idea that the woman kissed him but she did apparently he's like do you have anything else to give me and he's like no i don't he doesn't give the girdle he doesn't reveal the girl and he just kind of leaves with the fox and some food and the horse that he had from the thing so he's on his way there and you know it's a beautiful autumn setting lots of leaves and everything he gets there and he's like he's about to like get you see his boat and he's like this is going to take me to the green chapel he's about to get on when the fox starts talking and the fox is like in like a human voice it's like you need to you need to abandon this quest the only thing beyond you for you at this point is death you're gonna die everything's gonna suck don't do it and he's like no i can't do this. this is my quest like what the heck fox and he sort of just ignores it goes on the boat comes to the chapel it's gorgeous by the way it is so pretty i can't wait till this movie comes out on like blu-ray so i can get it as a background <laughs> it's just an overgrown chapel the light streaming in and at the top of these sort of steps you see the green knight just sitting there gowan tries to talk to him doesn't say anything he decides to just sit there and wait i think he waits like a day or so and when he's finally about to get up and leave the green knight decides to also get up and says hello welcome and he's like are you ready and gowan's like okay yes fine Green Knight comes down again. He sounds like he's a forest when he moves. I love that little bit of sound design they've done. I mean, he looks fantastic. He's a big tree guy, but everything from his voice, which is this deep resonant voice and like the movement that he does, it's phenomenal, really makes him threatening, but also kind of beautiful in a way. It's, it's very, very good design. I like the change that they made and I'll talk about those uh, in a second. So, comes down and he swings his axe and Gowan flinches. He's like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm just nervous. And the knight just kind of looks disappointed. He's like, fine. He does it a second time. He does it again. He, he gets nervous again. And he's like, oh, I can't do this. I can't do this. And then the third swing is about to happen. And Gowan's like, I'm so sorry. I can't do this. He runs out. He gets on the boat. He rides all the way back. He get, makes it all the way back to Camelot. Everyone treats him as a hero because they think he's done it. He doesn't. It doesn't seem like uh, he reveals anything. We just see him sort of parting it up. And we get some sort of time skip. So we see, you know, a fast forward of the queen and the king in their bed. And they're sort of dying. And they're like, Gowan, like the king's a Gowan. You will like lead the, the troops and whatever. And he gives him his sword, which is Excalibur. It's never said, but like it's very obviously Excalibur. And he's like, yes, yes. And then Gowan becomes king. Oh, a, a quick thing before this is that he's having... He comes back and he meets his girlfriend who he had promised, I think, earlier in the story. Like, he, she asked him, like, if he would ever marry her. And she's like, he's like, kind of like, oh, I don't know, because, you know, he's a noble. She's not. Um, he comes back, you know, he parties with her for a bit. They have sex. You see them having sex. And he's still wearing the belt. Like, he is not taking that thing off no matter what. Important. Remember that. So, yeah, he becomes king. And at, uh, the the his girlfriend who's i think his name her name is essel sorry i'm finally going to refer to her by her name she has a son and you see the scene where you know she's giving birth and she has this baby but there's a bunch of knights around and they're all kind of looking at her ominously they take the baby away and gowan you know takes it away and leaves and you realize that you know she can't have his son like that's just not allowed uh in these times he marries the lady very very cool they I guess they raise the son as their own but yeah anyway essel is heartbroken because she loses her she loses her like uh, her only child in this relationship with this man she loved. They have that kid. Um, you know, we flash forward a bit more. Gowan's a lot older. He's in a battlefield at some point, and he's like urgently rushing to a tent. His son, now a lot older as well, is dead. He he's died in battle, and he's like, damn, this like <laughs> that's like downplaying it a bit. But yeah, that happens. He goes back to his uh, castle. You see, no one's happy with him. You know, big contrast to Arthur, where everyone loved Arthur as a king. People throw poop at him, and you see Essel in the crowd just staring daggers at him. And he's like, damn, this is uncomfortable. We flash forward a bit further, and we see him sitting on a throne in an empty hall with some knights uh, around him and his wife and his daughter. So he had another kid with the lady, the young daughter. And they're sitting there, and you can hear the, the siege is happening. Like, this is the end, really. And so everyone decides to evacuate except Gowan, who continues to sit on his throne he shares a look with the lady and they just all leave his, his his wife his kid all the knights it's just him alone on the throne room and you can see the doors being you know hit multiple times they're trying to breach in and we sort of just look at him and as you hear the door sort of slam open 
you see blood rising from his sort of abdomen and he looks down he uncovers like the clothing around it and he sees that it's coming out of the belt he he takes off the belt and then his head falls off and then we cut back to gowan kneeling in the green chapel awaiting the third strike and you realize all of this is a vision that he's had about what his life would be like if he went back and lived on a lie. If he just said that he faced the Green Knight and let himself take all that glory, take all that honor. I mean, during that entire sequence, he looked miserable. Like, he never smiles. He just looks like a... Like, even when Arthur's, like, saying you're my, like, proudest achievement or whatever, and he just looks like he's... He knows, he knows that he's messed up big time. And he's sitting there, and he's like, I can't do this. Like, I can't, I can't let that happen. He says, wait one more time to the knight who looks supremely annoyed. He's like, come on, man. He takes off the belt right then and there. He tosses it to the floor and he says, okay, now I'm ready. And then the knight comes down and he says, he like sort of gives him a congrats. He's like, you're such a brave knight. And uh, then he drags his knight, his finger across his throat and he says, now off with your head. And then the film ends it's it that's the end of the movie and there's so many differences to talk about so let's quickly go through them i mean digest that if you will let's quickly quickly go through all the changes that are made first of all the poem starts right at the ball we don't get any setup he doesn't have a girlfriend or anything his mom is not an important character in the poem and we'll talk about whose character is uh, the mom character is in the movie because she is important to the whole story but she's been added in to sort of give a bit more uh setup for the kind of idea that she's supposed to be so the thing starts at the uh banquet hall or sorry the the banquet and we got some of the same setup gowan's a bit gowan's already a knight in the poem he's not in the movie uh but he's still a young knight so he still doesn't have any experience he has a brother in the poem but he's never really mentioned again same thing happens uh the knight comes in he actually chastises everyone else for not taking his challenge first so that's pretty funny Arthur is about to take up take the uh, first swing when Gowan interrupts him, and the movie just kind of starts off by doing it first. He does that, the knight rides off, and in the poem, which is really nice, you get that you, you see that like, oh, Gowan celebrates for a year, but it does make a point to mention that he is going to be feeling a sense of dread. Gowan knows what's coming. So when he sets off on his quest, you get a lot of the same kind of setup. He gets a bunch of stuff. He doesn't get the green belt in the poem. Very important to remember again. His mom's not really an important character. He doesn't get the green belt. He gets like a shield. They make a big point of mentioning the pentacle, which is the symbol of the, the knights and like how he has like five joys and like five, he's five times more faithful than anyone else and stuff like that. Five is a big number for them. They talk about sort of the important fives in the poem. In the movie, they mention it, but they don't really like go super in depth into it. <clears throat> and so he sets off in the poem. He like the poet, says that like gowan knew he was gonna die basically in the movie you don't get that but he seems a bit more timid but he seems a little hopeful regardless they set out nothing in between this setting out and the arrival at the castle is described in the poem the poem just says gowan went on many adventures but i can't tell them to you because it would take 10 times as long very interesting point because we don't get any of that set up. We go straight to the castle. It does say Gowan struggled a lot. He nearly died several times. He's starving. No Fox, no Winifred, no, you know, uh, no robbers, no giants. I don't remember if I said it, but he, he, him and the Fox come across this valley of giants. I didn't mention it in the movie recap because I'm going to be honest with you. I have no idea what it means. They just, he says, take me with you. And they just kind of ignore him, make a loud sound, whatever. They leave. Cool. None of that's in the poem goes straight to the castle the castle seems a bit more reserved he does he talks with the lady a lot it says they have a good time uh and she gives him a kiss and what happens is that the, the same rule is established but the the lord goes hunting three times first night he comes back they hold a big feast gowan gives him a kiss and he's like who gave this to you and gowan's like i can't tell you that that's fine it makes more sense in the poem because there's like a lot of people in the castle there's like servants there seems to be other people visiting and stuff so that's pretty cool so they do that three times the first two nights the same thing happens in the morning he talks with the lady they have like a little bit she's like flirts with him he's like i can't really like do that that's kind of wrong she's like okay but they give a kiss she's like you, you're a knight you must give me a kiss and he's like okay at night and then at the banquet he gives a kiss to the lord both times and the lord's like who's that from and he's like i can't tell you and they have kind of a good jovial thing about it. the king the lord doesn't seem to be very like aggressive about it and then 
the third night, uh, Gowan's like, I gotta leave tomorrow. And she's like, okay, let me give you a gift. He's like, I can't take a gift from you. That's not right. And she's like, but I have this belt that I could give you that gives you immunity from like all physical harm. And he's like, that sounds pretty good. I'll take it. Um, she's like, great, but you can't tell my husband that you've taken this from me. And she's like, okay, sure. She kisses him again. So the, uh, at the feast that night, um, he kisses the Lord, but he doesn't give the belt. Um, so that's pretty interesting. Also, before that, we get to the third night, the Lord doesn't have as much to hunt, which is pretty interesting. He he actually kind of fails. We get this weird sequence where they're the, the hunting party is chasing this boar, and they they a lot of people like kind of get injured to it, and they takes a lot to get them to take it down. So that's weird. He comes back, he says, I only have a little bit of meat, and I have this fox pelt. Okay, cool. Not relevant really entirely. He's like, Okay, great, you're gonna set out tomorrow to the Green Chapel. I'm going to send a guide with you to show you where it is. So in this one, he's not escaping, like, you know, thinking he's done something super wrong. He's kind of just leaving. That's pretty interesting. And we'll see why that comparison is important in a second. So he leaves the scout in the poem that's uh, taking him to the chapel. Is like, man, it sucks to be you. If I were you, I'd be so scared. And Gowan's like, okay, cool, thanks. And he's like, Gowan, like, I don't, I think you're a wonderful guy. I don't want you to do this. Like, if you leave, Right now, I'll never tell a soul that what you did. I'll say you all, you faced the Green Knight. No one will ever find out that you never did it. Gowan's like, I believe you. I believe that you do that, but I can't let my own honor rest on that. So he leaves and he goes to the Green Knight and, you know, same thing happens. First swing, he flinches a bit. The Green Knight's like, why'd you flinch? He's like, wouldn't you? And he's like, okay. Second one, he does it, but the Green Knight doesn't, intentionally doesn't hit him. He like stops it right then and Gowan gets upset. He's like, come on, just get it over with. Stop playing games. And the third one, he goes he goes full swing and he just nicks Gowan on the neck and he says, you've passed the test. And so we get this big reveal that the old lady in the castle, and this is all in the poem, nothing about the movie yet. I'll, there's no reveal in the movie. I've already explained to you how the movie works. The lady in the castle is actually Morgan Le Fay, Arthur's sister, half-sister, and a powerful you know, sorceress or enchantress, whatever. And she wants to test all of Arthur's knights. So she's created this whole thing with the Green Knight. Uh, the Green Knight's actually the Lord. It's revealed that he's like, you know, disguised with magic. And he's like, uh, yeah, so this is, you know, this is what's happened. This is the test and everything like that. And he says that I've, I wasn't going to nick you on the neck, but, you know, you didn't give me the belt. You know, you, you kept that secret from me. And Gowan's like, yeah, I broke my promise. This is really embarrassing. But he's like, you can return now. Like, you you know, you're brave enough. Like, you wanted, you were ready to take the axe to the neck. That's fine. Gowan goes back home. He wears the green sash. And he's like, this is, you know, a reminder that I failed my promise. But then all the knights are like, hey, it's not failure. We don't, we don't blame you at all. Anyone would have done that. We're all going to wear green belts and recognize sort of your adventure. And just kind of remind ourselves to be honest. Because otherwise, you know, you'll... I mean, he only suffered a nick on his neck, but he did suffer a dent to his honor. So they kind of celebrate for him. He gets absolved of everything and he goes on to become a great knight. That's the end of the poem. So very different endings there. It's like significantly different endings there, but we're not going to go into that right now. We're going to talk about really important character, the mother. So the mother, she is also Morgan Le Fay. At least that's what I believe is the case in the movie. Wikipedia does credit her as Morgan Le Fay, so... You know, that's that's something interesting to note. I think a lot of people have made that connection, and that's completely valid. And I think we get that in the beginning, because there's a few things that are really important. We see that she passes on the letter, sure. St. Winifred says the Green Knight is someone that you know. Now, she's not literally the Green Knight. I mean, she could be. We don't get a reveal if it's the Lord or not. But I do think that she is also testing him, and it's kind of like a tough love situation. Back in these times, like... You either die or you become someone great, really. And that's kind of the only two pathways for Gowan. So she wants to test him in that regard. I also believe that she's the fox. Because A, I don't really know what else the fox could be. And B, when it speaks, it kind of sounds like it's in a woman's voice. But I think the fox is another way, A, to to keep him, like, companionship. He's still her son. And she wants to, you know, stay with him the whole time. So she's kind of looking after him. And then B, when she tries to say, go back, like, don't... uh, don't go any further. I think that's another test. That's just another test. But it could also be, you know, maybe her motherly instinct. But if she set up the whole game from the start, she knows there's no real danger, I guess. So I think that's another test. And the fox is just another part of her sort of tale. Old woman, again, is like something that she's there for and like looking at. There's not too much sense as to why it would be like that. 
why wasn't she just a fox the whole time or whatever but again it's a myth it's fine i like the way it is although that does mean that she washed her son get his rocks off uh so that's kind of weird but anyway (laughs) um so that's an important part of the thing i think the movie is still showing that she's testing his courage and his honor honor is a big deal in these kind of stories and you know today we have a different sense of that word we don't have this like chivalrous type of honor uh the sort of truthness to oneself though is still pretty relevant so you know the different points where that's tested in the movie we see sort of you know the the robbers lack honor they just steal his stuff and leave him to die and you know he does a kindness for them but he's so naive he doesn't realize that like you know they're not they don't have good intentions you shouldn't just trust someone says the green chapels in one direction just go that way and then winifred comes up and she questions him she's like why do you want a reward in return for doing this thing for me and that kind of seems like a you know be honorable about it gawain or sorry gawain i just said the other pronunciation of his name be honorable about it gawain like she gives him a reward anyway but like you know like don't expect a reward for every quest you take which i think is a interesting kind of like commentary on sort of quest-based fantasy that we get is that not everything gives you a reward sometimes it's just about doing the right thing uh i don't know where the giants fit in again that's the third thing that happens it's not given its own title card i don't think so i don't know i can't really explain it i'm sorry if someone has an idea please let me know because like what's going on in that scene that's the scene that i think that could have been cut because i don't know what it adds to the story and again and then we get another test of honor with the keeping choosing to keep the belt or not choosing to keep the belt you know it's it's something that will benefit him greatly and she says don't tell my husband but he made a promise to the husband and so and that's a big part of the story too i think it ends that even though he's done the you know he, even though he's made this crazy big journey in the end he's still concerned that he didn't keep up his promise that's sort of a lot lack of his own honor in that regard so pretty interesting pretty cool uh some other things i think that are neat to, we'll talk about the ending in a second again i gotta i gotta get lean into that i'm just saying the general themes of what's going on the sort of self journey of gowan the belt giving scene is obviously a lot more sexual in the movie than it is in the poem. I suspect in the 14th century, you couldn't really overtly talk about sex uh, in a poem. So it's kind of just like she's making advances on him and he's like, no, I can't do that. It's implied. In this one, it's a lot more robust. I think that's a good change to make. Uh, generally, I think let's be a bit more overt about sexuality. We don't have to be so like kept up in it. And it really shows like, he does succumb to it you know like even in in the in the poem he doesn't really succumb to it but in the movie he does and it's this infallibleness that's so important to his story and you know he's you know you might think that oh everyone says like oh he's such a chaste knight and he's such a great guy in the movie i mean you see that he's not chaste he's gone to a brothel and sleeping around and stuff and he's drinking although i don't think that's quite the vice uh, since i think everyone doesn't um but yeah he's he's human and i really think that goes a long way for his relatability he's just a human on this quest and he's you know wrapped up in these big tales of honor and whatever and becoming a figure that's larger than himself uh and he doesn't really match those ideals that we might think it's kind of a subversion of the idea of your typical knight in shining armor i really like that i think it's a good commentary on how the story wants you to portray it one way like the original story had it that you know he acknowledges his shortcomings but then everyone decides he's a hero anyway and he still gets sort of canonized as his legendary figure you know the the human element is still always there and so we might pass on the fact that he's this great hero but you know deep down he was really going through these things but those flaws aren't important because the greater bravery is the real thing that you want to pass on in this myth is the story that you want to tell however the movie doesn't end like that the movie ends with just the green knight saying off with your head now my friend pointed out and this was so cool and i hope this is intentional i'm sure it's intentional is that when he says off with your head you can take it two ways it could just be him cutting off the uh gowan's head which is fair he makes the 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 finger across the throat motion but it could also just be saying okay off with your head like you are allowed to leave with your head intact i really hope it's the latter because that is a very clever way to do it and you know if if he just chops off his head right then and there i don't think that's really any kind of test uh on gowan's behalf although you know it could be like he could just die and you would say that that's just his tale like that's just what's gonna happen and you might be like why would his mother send him to die it's maybe it's inevitable that's why she appears in so many different forms to spend 
some more time with her son before he dies. If you take it for him dying in that way, sure. But uh, I like to believe that, you know, it ends the same way. He leaves and, you know, goes back. The same sort of scenario happens. I think it's it's a really interesting way that... I like the ambiguity. Again, I want to talk more about this meta sense of the of the um of the story is that in the end the ending is what you're going to pass on like what you choose to believe the ending is what you would tell to people later like you know if this is a story being told way back when and someone's like okay that's really interesting i'm going to pass on the story again but i'm going to add a little ending to it or whatever and then that's how you create these myth these great myths and these crazy tales of these people is that they just got to get shaped all along i mean you could say that this story the movie that we watch is what really happened quote unquote and then you know maybe gowan didn't return or whatever because you know in real life like what would happen but they decided to make a big story out of it anyway it's a really interesting way like i said to look at the meta sense i mentioned earlier that the title cards are really cool for a reason um the original title card we get where it just says Sir Gowan and the dot 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 and then a bunch of stuff happens before we see the Green Knight again but that title card happens and it flashes through several different fonts uh like I said and I think that's just the movie leaning into the fact that this is a story that can be told in so many different ways we see it in so many different writings that makes me think like think of how many times this thing's been translated think of how many times this thing's been told to other people Again, that meta sense of how we pass on stories to one another. It's all sort of part of this movie. And I think there's like that's a big kind of a stretchy way to look at it. I still need to get my thoughts together on how exactly that runs across. But obviously, uh, the the honor part is the main part of the story. That's literally what's what's happening on the screen and the page or the poem, whatever. So, yeah, like a lot of different ways to look at it. And, you know, it's supplemented by some great acting and great visuals a real i think it's a pretty low budget film and like i there's no real heavy cgi like obviously the giants and stuff are cgi but they've found a way to make it look so mythical that it doesn't really matter i, I like this trek that he takes through this this ancient land and it's not all there's not cities everywhere there's just these vast open areas where random things live like these these robbers in this dead graveyard and like this house in the middle of the woods with no one in it like very very interesting set pieces gorgeous uh really pretty the green knight himself uh a big difference i guess i didn't mention this is that in the poem he's just a really big green man like he's just a human but he's green in every single way he's long green hair and everything in in the movie they decide to take a much more mythical like ent like entity like <laughs> uh, with that and i like that design way way more i think it has a, a real threat to it um i frankly a big green dude would kind of look silly like we'd all think of the green giant that that you know canned peas or whatever so love the change i think it makes it um this isn't really a horror movie but it has some horror elements so you know like the head the skull that she he clutches and and sort of when he dives into the lake everything goes bright red for a second and just the way the night kind of moves and looks it you would feel scared and i think that's the the vibe that they're trying to push across so i've said a lot about this movie um again i you know if i had to cliff notes it really quickly you know it's a tale about honor the original tale is just this tale about honor there's so much more to dive into there's so much color theory you could look at think about how the movie and has so many has this big focus on two colors red and green which kind of you know adds into the christmas of this movie this is a christmas film by the way it takes place on christmas but you get all these different elements of green when he's in the forest it's such a big bright shade of green the green knight himself the belt and you could say does that represent danger because all those items are kind of dangerous for him to have like the green knight is obviously you know gonna chop his head off the belt is something he has to keep hidden the forest is like he almost dies in that forest and then you see red at a bunch of points. The fox is red. It's kind of friendly, but kind of weird. And you see when he dives in the lake, it turns red. And then he finds the skull. Like, is red a friendly thing? Does it mean that he's on the right path? But red's also the color of blood. And he, you know, he you know, bleeds. His head falls off. All that stuff happens. A lot of color theory. I Even the original text hasn't really been agreed upon. What does the color mean? Why is the knight green? Like, what does the green really represent? He appears in some other stories, I think, but really interesting to think about i'm not going to get into that because that's like a whole other uh jocelyn of like what's going on here 
But I think, uh, yeah, so that was that main area of, like I said, honor is just the basic story uh, of both the poem and the movie. But then I think the movie also tries to go a step further and tell us more about the way that society treats myths and how we pass on these stories from one to another. I like I read it that way. I mean, if you want, you can even just take it at a pure surface level and have it as just an experience. I think that would be a great way to enjoy this film. I one of the people I went with just, you know, took it all at face value and said it looked great, it felt great, it sounded great. That's all you need. And I think, you know, there's different ways to experience everything. If you want to just feel like that and not, you know, try to put too much analysis behind it, that's perfectly valid. If you want to go into a deep dive and look at medieval history, that's also perfectly valid. I mean, I might want to come back to this at some point, do some more digging into, you know, the 14th century and Arthurian legends and see where this could connect to the relative, like, big mythos of the whole thing. But I like that it's very separated. Like, this is standalone. You don't need to know any of the backstory of the poem, really, to understand it. Like I said, the people I went with didn't know a thing about it, and they loved it. In fact, the movie goes to great lengths to not even uh, point those things out. Uh, Like I said, Excalibur at some point is given and i think in the uh in the court scene he gives him the sword to you know use on the green knight no one says like oh it's excalibur guys look at excalibur he just has like a look of on it and i think you can connect it if you can if you can't it's just a cool looking sword and that's fine the king and the queen are never referenced by king arthur or queen guinevere they're just king and queen same thing with his mother it's always just more it's just mother it's not morgan lefay no none of these big names are given because the movie wants you to just have it by yourself. They're not important. This is Gawain's story. Again, Gawain. This is Gawain's story, and that's what you should focus on. I love that. I think more King Arthur movies need to do that because they rely so heavily on the fact that, like, oh, it's King Arthur, and then you see the sword, and you're like, oh my god, it's the sword. They don't have this kind of weirdness to them. They're too cookie-cutter these days, I I think. I'm talking about, like, the King Arthur Legend of the Sword that came out. That was a weird movie. But yeah, um probably the best king arthurian adaptation i've ever seen please go see it i mean this is the kind of movie that needs to have a bunch of people in theaters watching it so it can make money and more movies like this can be made please please (laughs) but even if you're not interested i'm sure it'll be out at some point on a streaming service and uh give it a watch it's so good (laughs) i would love to discuss if you're interested in talking more about this let me know i will talk about this movie all day and yeah i will i think that's it I'm going to sign off. I don't know when the next episode will be. I will probably be doing some more movie reviews before I do another horror movie history. My schedule's been all kind of whack. I think this episode is probably coming out a lot later after episode one. I, you know, life gets in the way. Sorry about that. I, I'm not going to say that this is going to come out weekly anymore. It's just going to come out whenever it's going to come out. So thank you for that. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a great day, a great week, a great month, a great rest of your life. I'll see you for the next episode. I'm Ayush, and this was Filmtasia. Thank you.